author of Alpha and the Two Brass from Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio, making his monthly appearance as an editor at Fangraphs.com is Jeff Sullivan. Jeff Sullivan is the guest. And what I would like to say now is that the intro will be short because uh, I, Carson Stoley, the host of this program, happen to be uh, preparing right now for um, a family for family time. Uh, my wife and I are going to go have family time on account of the holidays is what we're going to do. And so now um, this is a short introduction. What I will say is that if you're looking for crack baseball analysis, you will actually find some of it accidentally. Uh, in the in the opening minutes of the conversation to follow, mostly you will find uh, you will find us uh, spending some time uh, spending an intimate hour with Jess Sullivan, who writes so much um, analytical work, provides so much analytical work for Fangraphs. Roughly, I think 14 posts per week, or maybe 13 posts plus a chat. So you have already peered into the analytical mind of Jess Sullivan. Please prepare yourself uh, for um, him to uh, maybe apply that same mind and the same sort of playfulness we find in his work uh, applied to other uh, other topics, other concerns. That's what to follow. Uh, I will say, uh, by way of providing one vignette, Jeff Sullivan does recount um, um, with some detail his first encounter with managing editor Dave Cameron's son, much like this. He has the remote in his mouth. He's still holding eye contact, very slowly takes it out of his mouth. And wipes it in a, a line across my face. Okay, so the, so the conversation with Jeff Sullivan is to follow what's happening right now is a word from the sponsor. The sponsor is Draft, and the Draft app, we're familiar with uh, daily fantasy games like FanDuel and DraftKings. Those are daily fantasy games, I mean to say. And also so is Draft, except with this one exception, it's the first such one made for a truly mobile experience. A truly mobile experience is what you get with Draft. Here's what you do after downloading the application. Uh, registering, you find an opponent. This could be a friend of yours uh, or an internet stranger. Regardless, someone who's part of the draft universe. Uh, you each select a team by means of a snake draft, five players each. Those players play their sports. They are athletes who are playing the sports. However, uh, the their actions, uh, points are assigned to their various actions. And who, who, whichever you or your opponent has accrued the most points, those points, of course, being uh, being associated with various sports actions, you are the winner if you have more points. If, the, if your opponent has more points, he or she is the winner. Um, would you like to wager American currency on it? This is an option that is available to people who live in most of the states. I don't know which ones don't allow it, but I know most of the states do. That is uh, information about what can happen. You can play baseball. But, of course, the season's over. But uh, never fear. Don't fear in case you were fearing. Uh, there's also games available for professional and college football, also professional basketball and hockey. How do you get it? Well, allow me to explain. If you have an iOS operating system on your mobile device, get the uh, get yourself to the App Store. Uh, otherwise, alternative-wise, uh, if you have a, uh, an Android device, go to Google Play or something like Google Play. And uh, as the French would say, the end. They would say it in French. That is the end of the, the sponsor's message. A rousing message from the sponsor. What we get to now is a conversation with Jeff Sullivan. What is it? It's Fangraphs Audio. It features that same Jeff Sullivan, and it begins right now. Jeffrey? Hey. Hey. Hey, Carson. Hey, I just uh, saw you put up a post about Scott Casimir. Yeah, super, super interesting. I was supposed to write that last night. I told Dave I would, uh, Dave I would write about Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron. I told him I would write about Scott Casimir for this morning last night after I arrived in California. And then, as briefly explained within the post, uh, 
the great challenge was finding something to say about Scott Casimir of, of even moderate interest beyond, you know, everything uh, that's so obviously interesting about him. And what do you, upon what do you land? Well, I can tell you. Okay, so you, uh, maybe, maybe we've already had a spoiler alert, but if I were to ask you which starting pitcher last year. Scott Casimir. Minimum. Well, you got, you got it. <laughs> you got the answer. Uh, what's the question? Uh, All right, which yeah, last starting year, pitcher last, last year, year? Last year, which starting pitcher given a, uh, a low, uh, a low minimum of zero innings pitched? Had the largest speed difference between fast average, fa- average fastball and average changeup, and the answer was Scott Casimir. Really? Yeah, yeah. He he has widened the gap as his career has gone on, and last year he it was more than his fastball is more than 15 miles per hour faster than his changeup. Really? And uh, what do we know about the relationship between fastball changeup differential and the effectiveness of either of those pitches? It matters. Okay. <laughs> I know this is think, the sort of thing that Eno Saris is always answering. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember which uh, which one it was. So Eno talks about this, and I don't remember if a bigger difference. I think a bigger difference is better for swinging strikes, and a smaller difference is better for grounders or weak contact. But yeah, okay. there's a 10% chance it's the opposite of that. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. I will. Uh, I'll read that immediately after we're done here. Yeah. Well, you don't need to now. <laughs> Uh, I have I've given you the entire post. No, I bet there are some uh, flights of imagination throughout. Is that is that possible? Uh, not that much because I was writing it uh, while hurry because I'm already an hour late for this podcast. What do you uh, What do you got there? You're at San Diego, California, there. Yeah, and I left the window open just in case you could pick up the outside noise of it's raining and windy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so so they never left Portland, Oregon, really. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least fly. at least where my mom lives in San Diego is not currently underwater. Oh, is that still? Because uh, I know that. Uh, so we saw each other what just like a week and a half, two weeks ago at this point. Yes, yes, we did. And I was uh, I received at some point. Uh, we were in Nashville, of course. I received at some point though a an email or some sort of image from Matthew Corey, mm-hmm. our, our colleague, who art in Portland, Oregon, and he. Uh, it's a picture of his. Uh, no, I forget. Maybe it was a picture you showed me. Hey, was there a bunch no, of cars uh, in the Pearl District <laughs> underwater? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were probably talking to him about the flooding, and I showed you a picture of oh, some right, flooding yes. in downtown Portland. So uh, I went to I went over to Matthew Corey's house last week on a Friday night. That's a different story. By the way, listeners, no baseball to be discussed. This well, is, we we did, we've, already, we've already uh, addressed yeah. the important We did matter. the big Scott Gasner. And here's what's interesting about my, about Mike Leake. Nothing. Okay, you move on. Well, actually, so, isn't Mike Leake, uh, isn't the very thing that's interesting? This is when you you uh, reverse course, right? You, instead of looking for what is the huh. is the sort of outlying quality that, hmm. about him, he, the outlying quality can become uh, wild averageness. Yeah. Well, what what is interesting about Leake, actually, and we'll get back to Matthew Corey later, is so Leake, you look at him. Who, about him, there's nothing interesting. It should be <laughs> not Matthew a single Corey. thing. Sorry, Matthew. You're my friend. So Mike Leake, on the surface, not that interesting. He's a very, very average pitcher. Not painfully average. That doesn't make sense. But he's he's eye closingly average. Uh, but what is also interesting about him, especially as a National League pitcher, is he's a he's a fairly decent hitting pitcher and he's also a fairly decent fielding pitcher by the numbers that we have and if you if you combine those together 
And people always talk about how Mike Leake is so athletic. This is how that manifests. He's good at defense. He's he's pretty good at hitting for a pitcher. And that means that's added value. And I think Dave talked about this a little bit with Zach Renke. And yeah, I, Zach Renke, of I, course, right. Yeah. yeah, I did the same thing. And, and we've talked about how Dallas Keuchel is a really good defensive pitcher. But when you, when you add in the defense and the hitting, that is at least a few runs over the course of a year. And if you add, like, a half win of extra value, which actually undershoots his career averages, then... Then the leak contract comes out to be a a fairly good deal for the Cardinals, and then if you add in like a full extra win, which I think would be extreme, then it turns out to be an almost extraordinary deal uh, deal for the Cardinals. Uh, but if you if you combine the fact that Leak is young and he's durable, he's pretty much never been hurt with anything important, and he can hit a little bit and he can field a little, uh, little bit. It seems like as free agent contracts go, this is this is not that bad, and there's a little bit of some pushback in the comments I've abandoned reading because people, I think, look at Leak and they think this is silly, which is fine. People are entitled to their opinions. It's Christmas. Not everybody's happy. But you uh, you look at, I guess this does, after the fact, make me think of the Pirates. Remember when they got John Neese very quietly during the oh, winter yeah, meetings? Oh, yeah, right, right. In exchange yeah. for uh, Neil Walker, I think. Right? Yeah. yeah, so they gave up uh, an interesting, a pretty good second baseman for Walker, so that was some investment. And But the Pirates now control Neese for... Up to three years, they have two team options. They have them for one guaranteed year. And Nice has been not too dissimilar to Leak the last few years. And the Pirates got Nice for quite a bit less, unless you really, really highly value Walker. So kudos to the Pirates for that one, although I will point out that Leak has not been hurt. And Nice has had some elbow and shoulder problems, which probably uh, drove down his price. Hey, uh, here's an interesting thing. I noticed, I, I think it's quite easy to to discuss contract terms um, in relation to what you know what they are relative to the value, and a lot of times that comes out to, to asking the question: Did the team get a good deal or not? Mm-hmm. How do you? How, what's the proper way to have the conversation if we decide that we want to? We decide that we want to. They were rooting in a sense uh, 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 that we're on the side of labor. Uh huh. What if you say? Did Mike Leak get a get a good deal? Because the problem is, if you you know many many of us come to the game right be, as fans of one team. I know that you were uh, was it was it you had an uncle an uncle who liked the Seattle Mariners quite a bit. Yes. Yeah, and uh, I grew up in New England, and it's hard to escape the the pole of the Boston Red Sox when so doing. Yeah. And uh, so that's how that's your entry point in the game, and you of course uh, you fall in love with certain players, but. It's the what? It's the clothes, really, that you're falling in love with. It's the uh, the colors of the team, mm-hmm. and yeah. so you're sort of always going to be thinking from the team's perspective. Did did we get the right player? Did I, did we get um, you know? Did we get the better of another club in in a trade? Mm-hmm. Is there any sort of pro player, pro labor stance to be taken when we're looking at these contracts? Yeah, so I think the uh, if you want to take it from the other side. Hey Jeff, the, just so you know, and just so our listeners, we're getting a little bit of uh, uh, what is this called? A p- a piffing, a poof, poof sound. Poof. Why don't I move the microphone a little bit further from my mouth? Yeah, why don't we do that? Yeah. Yeah, how's, this how's is, that yeah. sound? That and that and that is the extent of quality control. Yeah. For this and now now we're going to try a word. Poofter. Yeah, you did it right. Poofter. Uh, what right. is that? That's a British uh, slang or something like this. Yeah, Canadian? I think it's. It's something derogatory. Yeah, okay, so here's the pro labor side is well, so Mike Leake just signed for five years and and eighty million dollars. This is Mike Leake that we're talking about. That mm-hmm. seems on the face <laughs> of it, right there. Way to go, Mike Leake and yeah. his agent. 
Okay. You did well to get $80 million. And I don't mean that in the sense that, oh, millions of dollars is a great salary. You should be satisfied. I think that if you, if you look at Leak and you compare him to the market, it's pretty, it seems pretty incredible that a player of Leak's very modest track record got five guaranteed years and, and $16 million per year. That is a very large contract. And if you, if you just look at his pitching performance and then try to figure out what his contract should be based on that, then he got paid maybe a little more than you would expect. And then you throw in the hitting value and the defensive value, and I think those matter, but those have been so seemingly underemphasized in previous deals that I think it's not real easy as an agent to sell a player as a, as, to sell a pitcher as a good defender and a good hitter. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of teams will just dismiss that because of course you are worried about what he's doing on the mound when he's throwing the ball forward and not when he's throwing the ball to one of the bases. But I think you need only watch a few innings of Matt Garza to understand that it does matter what a pitcher does at the plate and in the field. And there are some guys who are better cut out for the National League, some guys who add extra value. And I think uh, Leak's hidden value, I think, makes makes this contract at worst tolerable for the Cardinals and uh but it's still it's really difficult to pitch that in the market so from the labor so maybe side, you could say you if you're going to present a, a pro labor interpretation you could say this is uh, this represents perhaps an instance in which a pitcher was rewarded for his above average hitting and fielding and therefore perhaps uh, other other players could look to it uh, certainly other pitchers could look to it as an example unless they're bad at hitting and fielding in which case they they don't want. They don't want that to be. The, they want to be. They want yeah. to ignore it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that those those pitchers, and we'll just call them the Garzas. I, I guess. Let's right. Just, let's That's just a type. Yeah. Garza. Yeah. Yeah. He's a type. Uh, looks like a camel. I think those pitchers should do their best to not call attention to the rest of. They should be like, yeah. So I can pitch the ball good, uh, and then people are going to be like, are you well rounded? And then he can be like, well, it doesn't matter because I pitched the ball good. Mm-hmm. And if he keeps just saying that, then hopefully he can keep teams from looking in at the other stuff. Well, just, oh, just really one team, right? Yeah, just just the one. And uh, and I don't know. I don't really know how teams value pitcher hitting and pitcher defense. Obviously, they are things that they can't not matter, right? So yeah. teams must pay some amount of attention. But, I mean, most pitchers are so bad at hitting and most pitchers are... But it only matters how bad they are at hitting relative to other pitchers. Yeah. Yeah, but it seems like there's not really that much of a spread. It's just you get like five or or six players who can actually do something with the baseball. And then Giovanni Gallardo, for example, he can hit the ball hard, but he might end up in the American League, and so it just goes to waste. Yeah, it does. It does. You think you just... It goes to waste. goes to waste. Uh, You were saying with regard to Matthew Corey? Oh, yeah. You were over his last week. yeah, so I was I was at his house last week on, on Friday, and he took me down to his basement because he was among the Portland residents who had water come into his basement. And so he had to pull up all the carpet. He neglected to pull up all the rusty nails that held the carpet in place. Did uh, he do it himself? He did appear to have done it himself. He pulled up a lot of carpet, and he uh, – so they're, they're dealing with that damage. But he has – you know Matthew Corey. Readers might not know this about Matthew Corey, but he is – among the uh, the happier, the internally happier individuals that I know, oh, yeah. no matter what is going on, he seems to always be in a, a very pleasant and appreciative mood. He is, which is exceptional, considering he uh, he has what two kids as well. Not that not just yeah. kid. No, but they uh, they tend. No, to... you've said enough. You are correct. 
they tend to, right they give you they provide usually a sort of deep sort of uh, satisfaction an existential joy but not like a day-to-day joy necessarily yeah no the uh, the opposite of a day to day joy mm-hmm. it's like a, it's maybe it's like you're being really proud of your your Roth IRA mm-hmm. investment but you don't actually know if you're going to live long enough to collect it yeah you know you don't know if it's ever going to pay off but you can be like look i've got this for the future it well, you know, you, what is it? You can't access it until you're 60? What's the deal with the Roth IRA? I think uh, tax-free yeah, after 60. Yeah, 60. Or maybe 60. if you uh, – uh, I believe after five years, you can if you, if, if you become disabled, you can use it. Yeah, and I think uh, I think also there's the third condition. If you really, uh, really want it and you just – you ask hard enough, then I think they relent. Is that, uh, really? I didn't, I didn't know that was uh, – well, they don't mention it in a lot of the literature. I think I think actually you can pull from a Roth IRA, but I'm I am in over my head here. And speaking of in over his head, Matthew Corey drowning in basement water. Okay, so he didn't actually drown. So yeah, so yeah, Matthew Corey has had to pull up a lot of carpet. But when I asked him about it and I expressed my own sympathy or empathy, whichever one, he uh, he was not that upset because he uh, realized correctly that other people had it much worse. Trees had fallen onto property in the city, and other properties were mostly underwater, and so it could have been a lot worse. I don't know. It's a bigger deal for his kids, and therefore also for the parents, because the kids' playroom was downstairs, and yeah. now it has no carpet and several rusty nails in, so we'll see about that. But on the plus side, the kids are also home all the time, because it's Christmas break, so rough time for the Matthew Corey household. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe rugs next time, as opposed to maybe carpeting. Rugs. Uh, fun quick story about uh so we uh my girlfriend and I went over to Matthew Corey's place because he lives close to a Portland institution. It's called Peacock Lane. Do you remember Peacock Lane? It doesn't matter if you do, because listeners don't know anything about it. So never mind. Peacock Lane is like a block or two in Portland, and every December, for half of it, uh the neighborhood, I think by contract, all the houses have to put up really extravagant Christmas lights. So it's beautiful display and there's some music and there's some Great hot for kids. Cider. Great, Great for kids. kids. Great for kids. So uh, we we walked around the street because Christmas lights are wonderful, and we walked sure. around the street with uh, Matthew Corey's two twin boys. And at one house, we came upon a sign in the front yard. It was lit up, and the sign read, "Marry me, Megan," as somebody had arranged to uh, with the homeowners to propose to his girlfriend. Yeah. And there was a little article I saw like the next day or two that uh, that Megan that was a bunch there. of Megans thought they were <laughs> yeah, getting betrothed. Yeah. That's that's just the thing. So, you know, the actual Megan saw it, and she said yes, and now they're engaged, and it's wonderful. But you do wonder how many other Megans have just been, like, casually dropping hints to their boyfriends for, like, the last number of months, maybe even years. People don't really get married in Portland. You know, it takes some time. Yeah, it does. So yeah. you're, just, you're just walking up and down the road thinking, oh, this what a beautiful, what a beautiful scene. Look at all these happy people with the kids and the, yeah. the yeah. festival colors. And then, oh, what's this? No, don't look over there, Megan. No, come over here. Look at the <laughs> other side of the street, Megan. We have to leave right now. My mother's in the hospital. Yeah. Just like so, it that sign allowed one relationship to become cemented, if you want to refer to engagement as such. Yeah. However, at what expense? Oh, I know. Yeah. It unfortunately she did not have uh, a less common name. Yes, it is a very common name. Maybe 
maybe could have thought ahead to have a last initial at least to reduce the odds yeah. by 25 out of 26. And uh, yeah, and ideally her last name would start with a Z or something. Yeah, or even like a wingding. <laughs> yeah, or maybe if you had her nickname, like like if you call like if she said if he if he referred to his girlfriend as like a his little bean or something. Yeah, or like squishy pants. Squish. What's that? Squish pants. <laughs> Is that a popular term of endearment? Well, no, but that's just the thing. You don't want a popular term of endearment. If you're like, marry me, sweetie, then, I mean, that doesn't do Oh, that's even worse, perhaps. Yeah, don't ever. Oh, mine. That would have got me in trouble. <laughs> um, is it like, uh, did anyone mention that uh, uh, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, uh, they had no intention of marrying the cow because they were getting the milk for free? <laughs> so you went with a John Mulaney reference, and earlier I was thinking about a Pete Holmes reference. I know two comedians. <laughs> and they're friends with each other, I believe. Yeah, they are. Yeah. I tried to introduce uh, them so to after, each other. After the, work out. <laughs> yeah, I just wound up maybe the threesome for all of it. So yeah. after the after the winter meetings, Dave Cameron and I drove back to North Carolina. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, we get we get Jeff's side of the story. Jeff's side of the, well, I don't know what other side of the story. Well, we o- we only we only discussed it briefly, but uh, they were. It seems as the cameras were trying as hard as possible to get you sick. <laughs> there was when I was a uh, when I was playing. With uh, with the little one, yeah. 10 or 11 months old, he's at a stage where everything goes in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, and so I was down on the floor. I was down on my knees playing with the child because what I know about birds is they don't like to have things hovering above them. And so I assume chi- children are like <laughs> That's birds. That's good. That's exactly the way someone on the aut- yeah. autism spectrum would think about it. So I'm down there. <laughs> I know that birds don't like this. And you are a human. <laughs> Animals have similar <laughs> traits when yeah. they're young. Yeah. So I was down there like... Close to to baby Drew, and I was just making faces or doing whatever it is you do with babies when sure. you're trying to keep them from being. They don't know. They don't. Sh- thing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. So he. Uh, Wait, what was the word you just said? Little. Sh- so okay. at one point, he's looking at me in the eye. He's making firm. He's holding eye contact with me, mm-hmm. and then Dave says uh, Drew likes playing with the remotes around the living room. Okay. So Drew holding eye contact. He reaches for a remote. He's holding eye contact. Looking he at you. A remote. Looking at me, very slowly. Inserts the remote into his mouth yeah. very slowly. Drew is sick, by the way, double ear infection. He looks, he has the remote in his mouth very slowly, takes it out. He's still holding eye contact. Yeah. Very slowly, takes it out of his mouth. Yeah. Moves the remote over and wipes it in a, a line across my face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's no more to the story. That's it. That was just it. Drew owned me. It was a little, bit, a little bit of a power move, don't you think? It was, and it worked. I was already down on the floor because of the little kid, and then yeah, that's what they get. Like, they just have yeah. different strategies for doing it. Yeah. Did you know that I'm contagious? Here's the number one way to make sure that you get sick. Here's what's in my mouth on your face. <laughs> oh. Double ear infection. Yeah. <laughs> what was funny about that was the night before, uh, when when Dave's wife wanted to take Drew to the uh, pediatrician. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to go into work late tomorrow. I'm going to take Drew to the pediatrician. Then she went to bed. And then Dave told me, oh, he's fine. It's like, no, there's nothing wrong. He's not sick. Uh-huh. She's, just, she's just freaking out. And then she came home the next day. And she's like, double ear infection. And then it's funny when Dave's wrong. Oh, oh <laughs> it's a great pleasure for everybody, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get why the commenters love it. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you, well, yeah, I guess maybe you're... Excitement was short-lived, though, because then, yeah, you were in the house with a baby that had a double ear infection. Did you was, barbecue? Was... Did you barbecue while you were there in Winston Salem? Oh hell yeah. yeah, yeah, barbecue in 
in Nashville, barbecue in Winston-Salem. I uh, went to a place called Sweet Potatoes in Winston-Salem for any of you in Winston-Salem. Dave recommends it all the time in his chat, so I don't need to recommend it, but it has – I don't remember meals very well. I certainly don't remember particular parts of meals very well, but I had a dessert there that I I do not remember ever having a better dessert. It was a sweet potato cornbread pudding dessert, mm. it was fantastic. Wow. Everybody go there. It's like the house special. Do you think that uh, maybe perhaps one of the reasons you don't remember meals so well is because of all the heavy drinking? Because of uh, all the irresponsible drinking. Yeah, and that and mourning my father's death. <laughs> that is uh, that's great what you've done. I'll have to. Uh, I, I might. I probably um, will take away some of the joy, but I will tell you that uh, there was a period. <laughs> I think you did it for maybe like half a day when we were in uh-huh. Nashville. Yeah. And um, in response to a number of comments I would make, you would you would uh, say something along the lines of what you've just said. Discussing it's, really, it's a lot of fun. The deep pain that you're yeah. <laughs> you're experiencing, and it and uh, I have to acknowledge. Uh, it's probably true. I don't know. I don't know what it's like to lose a parent. I don't know how long that uh, that lasts. I know that I daydream about it sometimes. <laughs> um, and uh, but but I, I'm sure that I would immediately regret it. Yeah. What? Uh, sorry. If I uh, let's yeah let's do this. Let's do this, Sullivan. How how old how old were you? Uh, five years old. You were five years old. Because I was wondering if and I assume that at at, at at every age children have this, including. 35. I can I can personally attest to the fact. Is, this, is, is what you're getting at skin? Well, every everyone has skin. Yes. What I was not going to say that though. What I was going to say was um, that you that one might have a just a even just a brief fleeting daydream in which in which one's living parent is dead. <laughs> just as a little bit of you call it wish fulfillment just for a second or just to really explore the space. You know, uh-huh. to prepare yeah. oneself for the future death. Of course. Now, I can imagine a situation though in which I had had, especially I probably I had the most visibly during my, vividly during my teenage years. Say, I wish I wish you were dead, mom and dad. Um, I would never say it together because they they weren't together because they were, <laughs> they were living in different states. I but, wish you were independently dead. At the same time. <laughs> but I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would set up conference calls right so that I could tell them <laughs> at the same time. Uh, no, but I can imagine that if you, if if one were to have the thought, if the thought inhabited one and say, I wish my mom were dead, and then she were to die shortly thereafter, there would be a feeling of guilt. Or there would be a feeling of excitement because you realize that you are a fortune teller. Yeah, right. Well, there's that too, exactly. But I was wondering if it would be possible for a five-year-old to have those emotions, and I was guessing not. No, I'm pretty sure I just wanted him to be alive. Yeah. Now you're now you're more. Now you're <laughs> okay, so to uh, to lighten it a little bit, I remember uh, one takeaway from from being in North Carolina. So uh, when Dave's wife went to work one day, so you know Dave is a dog, and everybody knows. Yeah, sure. Li- a yeah, dog. Liberty. Yeah, Liberty. Liberty. Dog. Yeah. Yeah, Liberty. The, the forgotten other living thing in that household now. <laughs> and so we uh, we one day took Liberty to the dog park. Yes, of course. Yes, the dog park. Yeah. So in you might recall, but in Portland we refer to those as as parks, uh, but they have to go to specific locations, I guess, in in North Carolina. And so at this point, Dave has already explained to me that he knows a lot of people who are Trump votes. You know, North Carolina, conservative North Carolina. Sure. 
and uh, a lot of his neighbors and and just the people around the general tone of the state is hey Trump's a, he's not a bad guy and so we are uh, we are in North Carolina and we are Dave's wife is at work and we are taking the dog to the dog park mm-hmm. and because you can't leave a child alone you have to bring the child to the dog park and then we arrive at the dog park and we are two similarly aged young white men ah uh, uh, <laughs> pushing a baby stroller around the dog park yeah. And it's not that anything happened, but it's that you know what everybody is thinking. Right. Around you at the dog park, which I have no problem with, although I think I could have done better, but I, I certainly, I certainly, I don't, it makes you wonder how many times in your life people around you have assumed you were gay. And for me, I think it was like most of the first 20 years, but beyond that, like in the last 10 years, I don't think it's come up that much. Right. Right. And you would not be, it's also, it's also possible. That you, as someone who lives in Portland, where uh, you, 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 people are walking around um, with uh, congratulating themselves on their <laughs> open-mindedness constantly, that yeah. when you go to a place like Winston-Salem, uh, which might have a population that's more representative of – of uh, I don't know if it's representative of the country at large, although statistically it might be in some ways – um, you may, you maybe you are the one who's particularly aware of it, whereas no one else is really uh, is really caring. Yeah, yeah. I think if you're if you're in Portland, it's if people were any more assertive, they might actually come up to you and and just express how thankful they are. They they love that you're gay. <laughs> but if you're if you're in North Carolina, I think they just they don't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Yeah, you're getting in. Uh, paint with any broad brushes here. Yeah. Although if you're painting with a broad brush, that's the easiest way. To paint, you fill up the canvas much more quickly. It's true. Actually, yeah. If I were painting with a broad brush, I would say blue, and then I'd be done. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. But if you're painting with one of those fine brushes, you, you, you know, you could do excellent work with detail, but it's going to take you a while. Yeah. So do you think you start – if you only have the money for one brush, because mm-hmm. you're a starving artist, right? You have yeah. the money for one brush. That's actually – yeah, and you're actually talking – this is how Roscoe uh, made his way. It's not that it's not that he was particularly um, attracted to colorscapes. It's just that uh, he could only afford one brush. <laughs> would you go? Would you? Uh, the first brush you buy would it be the littlest one, the biggest one, or one that's just in between? That's a good point. I would probably. Uh, you know, I actually like uh, I like paintings that are uh, tiny little canvases. Oh, um, that's that makes sense. <laughs> do people? How many? How often do people? I I'm gonna go with still assume that you're a homosexual. Okay. Because <laughs> you know when, uh, when when you say people, I assume you're you're talking about my living father. <laughs> is that is that am I right am I right here? I assume you're talking about my very alive father. Yeah, but is he alive on the inside? Uh, yeah, he is. Yeah. And yeah, well, that's how he summons the energy to think about. <laughs> Oh, I'm probably gay, and I'm doing a really good job of covering it up to this point. This whole this whole marriage ruse is lasting a while. So where are you? Where are you right now? You said you got home to family. Yeah, I'm actually. Uh, so we're just visiting actually. Uh, uh, my uh, my wife, my wife's aunt mm-hmm. and uncle in Hanover, New Hampshire. All right. Yeah, I was going to say before though, I invoked the name of Mark Roscoe, which mm. I assume is somewhat familiar to you. Do you know? Interesting, Mark Roscoe. I didn't know this uh, before I uh, taught there for a semester. Mark Roscoe was a graduate of Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon. I also did not know that. Yeah. Which uh, which school also produced, I believe, uh, he's not a native of there. He was a native of uh, 
I don't know, uh, USSR, I guess, Latvia. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, but uh, somehow his family ended up in Portland. He went to, and he went to, uh, he went to Lincoln High, which was also the school of Elliot Smith. What about that? Well, I'm damned. Yeah. Does that mean anything to you, any of that? I mean, I'm familiar with the names in the school. Okay. I'm not going to donate to the yeah, school. I don't, can you donate to one specific public school? I, I mean, you can give them, you can go there and give things to people who are there. I don't know I guess, how yeah. they then take them in. But there has to be some sort of, because that, that's something that could, uh, um, that could favor pretty quickly the schools uh, in the districts, the wealthier districts. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, here's it's trivia. Trivia for you. Okay. Lincoln High School. Yeah. Lincoln High School in Portland. After whom is Lincoln High School named? <laughs> uh, well, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to think guess. About, okay, you should actually think about this one. Well, I was, I'm going to guess Abraham Lincoln. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, all right. All right. Give me another Give me another Portland area high school. Yeah, all right. Uh, I'm going to need a second here. <laughs> Portland Public High Schools. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, where's the list? Okay. Okay, good. Here we go. All right. Got a Wikipedia page. Who is James John Elementary School named after? Uh, I will say James John, but I don't know who James John is. Yeah, you are on fire. But who is James John? Uh, is he related a, to John oh, Jay? Yeah, He's a pioneer of St. John's who bequeathed land and money for the establishment of a school. Mm. You know, that must be a nice feeling to bequeath like that. You, yeah. It's a certain, I mean, we would say a certain tax bracket now, but it's a, you have to reach a certain degree of wealth in order to get to a point where you can bequeath. It's like uh, Dane Perry. Uh, Dane Perry, <laughs> his, his brother owns an estate in Tennessee. Yeah. Dane Perry can't own an estate. <laughs> Dane Perry doesn't have that kind of money. Dane Perry owns a condo. Yeah, and not even like in the nicest area of Chicago. Meanwhile, his brother, who's a successful lawyer and was also a, a very successful a, a star high school athlete, uh, owns an estate in in Tennessee. Okay, uh, let me ask okay. you. Okay, okay, last one. Yeah. After whom yeah. is the following school named? Da Vinci Arts Middle School. <laughs> You know, I lived uh, I lived half a block, or maybe a full block from Da Vinci. Yeah. At one, at one point, yeah. That's right by. Uh, what's that bar there where all the the sharps go to? Wow. Do you know what a what? sharp is? No. They kind of look like a uh, wait sharp style. Yeah, yeah sharps, sharps. Um, well, I'm having a trouble. It's like a um, what are you, um, hot. Reverend, what, what sort of music is the Reverend Horton Heat? I, start there. <laughs> it's like hillbilly, psychobilly, psychobilly maybe is the name of it. Psychobilly? Texas-based psychobilly. Yeah, yeah. T- psychobilly, yeah. And then that sort of thing, there's a – so the sort of folks who listen to that, I believe, uh, uh, they're the ones who hang out. There's a bar right there on, uh, what is it, 27th Ave? 27th Ave? Hmm? 
Do you know what I'm talking about? There's a bar there on 27th. I, I zoned out. I was looking up the Reverend Horton Heat. Okay. Where? Which street? 27th and what? 27th uh, between Burnside and whatever's uh, north of Burnside. What's the? What is that? What well, that area? That isn't it? Isn't it 27th Ave that has or 28th Ave that has all the uh, restaurants on it? I would go to. I used to go to a restaurant there that was quite good. Um, oh, Beulah Land. That's the name of the bar. That's just come to me. Beulah Land. And there's also a fantastic uh, restaurant over there called Navarre. Small plates. Love small plates. Tapas. Small plates. You with me? I'm. I'm. I'm with you. Yeah. Matt Groening also went to Lincoln High School. That's true. Yeah. That's All true. Right. Good. All right. I'm glad we've nailed it. Here, here's a question. <laughs> how do you feel about here's how do you feel about uh, uh, carpets and rugs? How do you feel about carpets and rugs? I was I was uh, initially going to say carpets versus rugs, but then I'm interested because uh, I was surprised that Matthew Corey had uh, had carpets in his house to begin with. Although I suppose it's yeah, a basement. Yeah, I don't know how much of that was up to them. They've only lived there for two years. I don't know how the house came. Uh, it probably did not come underwater. Now, is Matthew but... Corey a homeowner? Yes. Okay. I always thought he was a homeowner. Or shall we say that Matthew Corey's wife is a homeowner and Matthew Corey is a part-time writer for Fangraphs.com? <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the most accurate. Yeah. So, uh, carpets versus rugs. I don't have... Uh... Well, let's see. Let's see. Okay, so I don't like how rugs move if you stand on them funny. Mm-hmm. Or if they, they can slip. But I also don't like carpets in general because yeah. they're difficult to clean. Yeah, uh, that's the, I, I, do, I don't understand that. They retain and they retain odors and any liquids you might happen to spill. Yeah, and I do not have – I mean, people say that, oh, tile is cold, but then you just have sensitive feet. I don't understand people with sensitive feet. Just walk around barefoot a lot. You won't have sensitive feet anymore. Who has sensitive feet? People. And, and they're saying about it, what, the problem is that they have tile? That's that's why they like carpet and rugs because they don't want to just walk yeah, around. Yeah, there's on also hardwood floors. Tiles. Hardwood floors. Those, yeah, hardwood floors are the best because you can slide around on your socks. Or you could have laminate. There's a very nice laminates out there at this at this point. Yeah. What do you have there's, in your apartment? Uh, hardwood floor. Yeah. And how do you feel about it? Love it. If you spill uh, if you spill fruit punch, your favorite drink. <laughs> this guy loves fruit punch. <laughs> Capri Sun, High C, Sunny D. He likes them all. Uh, when he, when we went to spring training last March, we rented uh, an Airbnb or a VRBO house. I don't know. We rented a house for all the Fangraphs people. And this is a time when we still had Colin McDaniel on staff, you recall. Colin McDaniel, and, yeah, uh, yeah, vividly. Yeah. So we, some of us got to the, the house before others. And so I noticed when I was there, and I think I was with Dave and David, I don't remember who was there. But I went out back because it was, had a big yard, and there were some lemon trees in the backyard. And so I was like, well, I don't know what to do with my time, so I'm just going to go back, pick up like a boatload of lemons, and just make some handmade lemonade here in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Squeeze lemons myself. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that, and I had like a bucket or two buckets full of lemons, and I was just squeezing them in the kitchen. And then Kylie showed up, and he just saw me hand-squeezing lemons for what he took to be no particular reason, because there, uh, there were other people by that point around doing other things, and I was just squeezing lemons very quietly by myself. <laughs> and since then, he hasn't ceased to make lemonade references to me hmm. and and references to the process of making lemonade. And I think it's in part because we don't actually know that much about one another, but also in part because I think maybe when Kylie has a reference, he sticks with it. But see, what Kylie would have said, instead of fruit punch, he would have made a reference to hand-squeezed lemonade 
Yeah. And I can also tell you, not worth it. Don't hand squeeze lemon. It takes like all the lemons that a tree grows <laughs> to get like two so glasses. So you say if you're looking at if you're looking at a lemon tree, you're really just looking at about usually two glasses of lemonade. Yeah. If if life gives you lemons, be like, I'm gonna need a lot more. <laughs> I'm gonna need. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna need. It's <laughs> a good point. You know, there's like every so often you see those things in the store or a restaurant or a bakery when you think, well, it would be silly to buy like this Caprizi sandwich for nine dollars because I can make that at home for, I don't know, like a dollar fifty, really cheap, no big, no big deal. So things like like it's silly to every day buy coffee out because you can just make coffee in; it's a lot cheaper. But if you like lemonade, you should exclusively buy lemonade that's already been prepared to your taste. Don't ever waste your time. Rich people would not waste their time. Their time is money, and that's a lot. Of, yeah. Well, I would argue, actually, with, with regard to now, I actually do, um, I do make coffee every day, but it's um, in large part that's due to the fact that we now live in quite a rural area. I think mm-hmm. that when you go to a coffee shop, you are not paying merely for the coffee; you are also paying for the space frequently. Well, of course, yeah, yeah, and that's true, and that's why I don't think you should never buy coffee. I, I just wouldn't want to make a daily habit of it. Okay. All right. I'm glad we're on the same terms here. Uh, now, he, here's a question: If hmm. you if you if you buy a caprese sandwich. Does that go to have capers in it? Does a caprese sandwich have capers in it? And I think maybe I'm only just making it because of the, the similarities in the spelling of the two. Uh, no, no? I don't, what is it? I don't think so. Tell me about a caper. What is a caper? That's like a heist? No. <laughs> That's very funny. It is an ingredient. Uh-huh. It is a little salty green sphere. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't it more oblong? Perhaps. Or is it a sphere? I, I, oh, it kind of looks like a pea. I don't think the exact shape is the question here. Where is it? Is it a plant? Does it come from a plant? It. Uh, Why is it so delicious? Why does it taste great on a cream cheese and lox bagel? I don't like any of those ingredients. You're you're not a very good Jew. Well, that's good news. <laughs> uh, I don't think a caprese sandwich comes with capers. Some of them might. But it's supposed to be just the the staples, right? Just the basic ingredients. What's in it? What's in a caprese sandwich? It's uh, that's mozzarella, tomato, basil. That sounds great. And uh, and some some uh, balsamic vinegar. So you don't probably you don't need a capre- you don't need a, any capers on that. Uh, I wouldn't turn them away. You could probably use a little burst of salt in there, depending on the mozzarella. Capers are so good, is my point, and I don't hmm. understand them at all. And I've never taken the uh, never taken. <laughs> uh, the incentive? No, I've never taken the initiative. I've never taken the initiative. Jeff, to uh-huh. to see what they're all about, and uh, I'd like to know. That's my might be my next guest. I don't know if anyone's embedded deep within the caper industry. Well, if you if you start going down that road, then see if you can deli- uh, come up with some contact in the saffron industry because that's going to. We've talked about this, right? We we're going to have a the next the next Fangraphs 2.0. It's going to be uh, Fangraphs is going to wait. Is saffron big? We're, well, we're going to make it big. What does saffron do? Is that a spice? Yeah, it's like the world's most expensive spice. Does it taste good? Why not? We're just gonna sell it. No. Well, why are people looking after, looking for it so much? It, uh, it's used a lot in things not unlike Spanish rice. Oh. <laughs> not unlike and resembling <laughs> Spanish rice. Yeah, like if you buy a little jar of a few saffron threads, it can be like fifteen to twenty dollars. So I think that's where Fangraphs is going to make its money. Ooh. I don't know this this whole like baseball thing. This is a setup. This is just for branding. Yeah, and but what is the saffron market doing? I mean, it's you're saying it's already 
pretty expensive right now. It's not necessarily um, it's not it's not its absolute price, or it's it's what its price will be in the future. You think it's going to continue going up? Look, we're going to get the saffron. We're going to get nimble little fingers to pick the saffron and separate whatever needs to be separated. Well, I don't understand get, much about saffron. We should just get children to do that. Well, right. I mean, I didn't want to say it explicitly, but if we can just get them on a boat into international waters where the rules don't apply, and then they're going to be able to separate the saffron threads from the saffron knot threads, and then we just put them in little jars. What's the main We're part of the saffron from which you're separating the threads? What does that look like? Is there a saffron flower? God, do I look like a production man or an idea man? <laughs> My idea is we're gonna get we're gonna kids grow to... and get kids to pick the saffron and do the thing that you have to do to make it sellable. Mm -hmm. Then we're gonna sell it and make sure the kids don't tell anyone. Okay. Oh. that's good. You know, you know what? Telling a child not to mention what's going on between him or her and an adult supervisor, that's always, that always works. And it never sounds terrible. Maybe you just never, you know, this is getting into a, so hey, hi. So you're a, you are in Hanover. Yeah, Hanover, New Hanover? Hampshire. Hanover, yeah. New Hampshire. I have like, New when Hampshire. I, when I have like 10 beers though, I call it Hangover, New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I'm long? going to be having dinner in uh, eight minutes. Yeah? Yep. Okay, well then let me uh, let me let me tell you a little thing. Okay. So the other day, you remember <laughs> the Simpsons episode where uh, with the trampoline? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I am. No. My knowledge of the Simpsons is pretty limited. All right. Well, uh, I believe there's. Wait, a... uh, but I do know that Simpsons creator Matt Groening was an alumnus of Lincoln High School, along with Mark Roscoe, Elliot Smith, and Johnny Pesky. That's a fun fact. That's four fun facts. Mm -hmm. Or is that one fun fact? I don't know. That's four facts all in one. Okay. So what do you... Uh... All right. So so uh, the other day, girlfriend and I are looking to hang out with some friends girlfriend, before the... Girlfriend! <laughs> <laughs> this is a change because he used to say my wife. Yeah. Every time not with you, you, I don't. You know, if well, you, you used uh, to. You know, maybe, maybe if you'd have the decency to go out with Megan... You would be you would be engaged right now. Um, see, Megan seems needy. If you like, you have to go to that whole level to propose to someone. No, but no. people. See, no, I'd... but maybe. No, no, no. I will immediately correct you. It's possible mm -hmm. that she's needy. It's also possible that you you are so impressed by her and are so deeply touched by the idea of spending the rest of your lives together until you get divorced. Uh, <laughs> then, then that you perform an, um, a sort of a sweeping gesture. Uh, you know. That you know, in, in, for many people, it's possible that the, the means by which they propose will be the the sort of grandest gesture they make during the course of their lifetime. Sad, maybe, also true, and it's fine. Life is full of sadness, so why not embrace it? Anyway, you were with your girlfriend, so we were looking to hang out with these these friends. Oh, airline before, food. Before we... <laughs> Before the holidays, and so why don't uh, they make the whole plane out of the black box? Why make the whole plane <laughs> okay, out of the go, airline? Go fine. Food? If they made the whole plane out of the airline food, which is already, you know, airline food is pretty good. I've had a lot of really good airline food. Okay, continue. So we're uh, we're looking to do something. Before the holiday season, something active. So we make a plan. We're going to go do something, and then go to this tiki bar in Portland. Okay, so we're coming up with ideas and. And these friends, these two friends, it's a married couple. They recently had a friend who had a, sustained a major injury 
while climbing uh, at an indoor rock climbing gym. So they did not want to go rock climbing. So this person fell like 30 feet. She might never walk again. It's bad. So oh, that's terrible. No, wait. What? Yeah. what where, uh, can I ask a? I guess. I don't well, know she, if uh, a good she was she was at the Portland Rock Gym. She was uh, using an auto belay, which is a thing you do if you are climbing with a machine and not with a person. Okay. And she got to the top of the wall, and uh, due to human error, she didn't clip into something you had to clip into, and then she fell, and she fell the entire distance oh. of the wall, and she landed, and it made a horrible noise. I wasn't there, and neither were our friends, but she broke her wrist, and she shattered a vertebrae. That's not uh, so you want to keep yeah, all your she's, vertebrae she's in the hospital. Do you, yeah, uh, you what happens there's nothing liability? there's nothing in your heart that you want to in your body that you want to shatter. No. What about li- what about liability? What happens in that case? Is Portland Rock Gym? Uh it was it was her fault. She yeah. she didn't use the system properly. Okay. All right. Which well, is that's terrible regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, so the, these friends they didn't want to they didn't want to rock climb. Yeah. Uh now let me give you some quick uh, some quick history. The wife of this couple mm-hmm. has had uh, major hip surgery on both of her hips to correct mm-hmm. a genetic uh, problem. She had it two years ago and one year ago, so she had a very extended rehab for both hips. Sure. Uh, major hip surgery for a young woman. The husband, uh, whose name is it doesn't matter, he uh, has in the past, he's torn his ACL while rock climbing. He tore his ACL in his left knee while rock climbing. God, this sounds like a dangerous sport. And uh, and I I don't have any history of such problems, but I'm just a broken down person. Yeah. And so we, the four of us we agree. Okay, we're going to go before the bar. We're going to go to a trampoline gym. Have you heard of these trampoline gyms? Trampoline gym. It's like a gym where you pay and then you go on a bunch of trampolines and they have some okay. on the ground. All right, I'm, trying, I'm wrapping wall. my mind around it at this point, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, according to my mother, these used to be very popular when she was young and then for whatever reason, probably because people died, they went away and now they're back. They're back. They skipped a generation, but they're back. They're just like leukemia around Chernobyl and rats. And so we're, we're, we get there and we pay for admission. And what you do, you pay 10 or $12 or whatever it is to jump for an hour. Now... Jumping for an hour, you might not really appreciate how taxing it is to jump on a trampoline, but it will win the crap out of you after like, so we, we go on and we're jumping for like four or five minutes and we're already winded. It's like a place for kids. We're all 30 years old and we're like, (laughs) yeah, you're done. So we're just looking to take breaks. We're jumping very gingerly. And then I decide, okay, I got a second wind. I'm going to jump. I'm going to do this thing where I land on my butt, and then I get back on my feet. But you're trying get to get in your money's worth, I assume, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you can't quit. You pay for an hour, you're going to jump for the goddamn yeah. hour. Also, yeah. by the way, this place is a liquor license for some reason. I don't know why. That seems like a terrible idea. But we're on there. We're jumping. And after about eight minutes, five minutes, we're all tired. Eight minutes, I land on my butt on purpose, get back to my feet, and I realize I have hurt my back. I have oh, no. pulled something in my back. This is very painful. Can't really jump, but three other people are jumping. So I can't really make us all quit. I'm just going to take a little rest over here in the corner. So I sat down. Not 10 seconds passed when a a very large teenager man came over and said, no sitting. And so I had to get back on my feet Wait. and jump with you a You just frown. got bullied by a teenager? I got bullied by a teenager who worked there who told me I could not sit down and rest my injured back. So I, I jumped very softly uh, just to pass the time. One minute later, the uh, the wife of the other couple jumps and lands funny and she kind of tweaks one of her hips and so she oh, makes one of face. her surgically repaired hips one of her surgically repaired hips so she makes a face and then not one minute later the husband jumps attempts to jump off one of the wall trampolines 
lands and his knee gives out and then he goes down and then the wife has to help him hobble off the trampoline as my girlfriend and I noticed this is taking place and so Now you do is yeah. your girlfriend bouncing too? She was having the time of her life. So she's she was the, the only one, one who's not injured at this point, yeah. She's the only one. So we make it ten minutes until the four of us are all off the trampolines. One with a hurt back, one with a hurt hip, and one with a blown out knee in the same knee that previously had had a an ACL injury. And so, instead of going to the tiki bar, we go to a nearby hospital, where the hospital uh, asks, so, what brings you to the hospital? And then and then Dan explains, and they say, oh, yes, we're very familiar. Just last week, we treated a grandfather who had a heart attack at the trampoline gym. And then they, uh, the, the married couple went to the back room, where the nurses and hospital staff joked that the only thing missing is a, a, a skyway between the hospital and the trampoline gym, just as a direct transportation. Yeah. So uh, he he underwent several tests. He's going to have follow-up uh, examination in a month, in a few weeks, actually, to see the extent of the damage in his knee because something is wrong. And so I uh, I decided I would put a little tweet out there because I realized that... Oh, social, I, you use social media? Social media. I realized that I previously did not have a religion, but now I do have a new religion, which is based entirely upon telling people not to go to trampoline gyms. It's the good word. And when I put that message out there, I didn't expect the response that I got where no short of two dozen people responded with descriptions of injuries they or other loved ones had sustained at <laughs> trampoline gyms. And it was they was already funny at that point. And then yesterday, somebody responded, like 24 hours after the fact, yeah. to say, hey, just wanted to let you know I neglected your advice and I took my five-year-old to a trampoline gym today yeah. and tomorrow he's getting x-rays. Because we think something is broken. Ah. You so then ceded all future parental decisions to me, which is kind of like having a kid. That's true. But yeah. because it's time for you to have dinner, I just want to make sure that the listeners understand, at some point, someone will try to tempt you into going to a trampoline gym. You do not want to be friends with these people. You do not want to be friends Turn with people. Turn them down. Out of the trampoline gym. Turn them down. Offer literally anything else. You... You will get injured. It is a guarantee. There, are, they make you sign a waiver, which is, I think, uh, the, how they get out of not uh, all being arrested and shut down. They make you sign a waiver. And when we went into the lobby and we were signing the waiver, there's a little instructional video uh, playing on a monitor above us on the wall, and it made several references to paralysis and death. And I realize now that video is not being cute. It just wanted to make you think it was being cute while it was being factual. But you think it's like, oh, funny video, and then you get on the trampoline and you're like, no, that was an accurate video. People here die. Oh my god! Actually, uh, if, if you type in "trampoline gym dangerous," first article is from uh, the Today Show. How safe for trampoline parks? Mother who lost son pushes for regulations. <laughs> wow! Another one. One uh, one injury I didn't expect that somebody reported on Twitter was that he he simply scraped himself on a trampoline, which you do because you don't. They don't even let you wear socks. You're just barefoot, and the fabric is rough. So you can get trampoline burns. So one man fell, got a trampoline burn, and then it became infected because of what was on the trampoline. Ugh. Ugh. Don't ever. Don't ever go. Well, to that uh, portion of our listenership who's uh, part of the trampoline lobby, Brazil, you're going to have to raise more funding because there's going to be a lot of people are learning. If you want to do something more fun with your friends who recommend you go to a trampoline gym, drive away from the trampoline gym while blindfolded for 30 minutes, <laughs> and you are likely to encounter far yeah. less risk. Yeah. Have you tried cocaine? 
All the thrills. None of, you know, only a portion of the danger. Well, the cocaine makes you really active, right? So if anything, you want something that's just gonna, you want a sedative, something that just makes you happy in place. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, uh, you've fulfilled your obligation. I, I don't know if I have, but we, I have to go. I hope you have a wonderful dinner. Yeah, I hope so too. I hope you have, uh, have you had your sandwich yet? I've had a sandwich. Okay, good. Might have to have another afternoon sandwich before dinner. You know, the in-between lunch dinner sandwich? Yeah, is it afternoon tea? That's sandwich. Afternoon sandwich? I think yeah. that, well, if you have a, I think uh, sandwiches are not uncommon during tea. Uh, it'd be like a cucumber sandwich frequently, but you could, yeah. you could have whatever you wanted. Yeah, but what's very common during afternoon tea is tea. Tea. And I, I will have none of that. Ubiquitous, yeah. That's a good point. Have a have a great have a great dinner and happy holidays to you and whoever's around you who you right. want to be happy. Well, why don't you stick around for one second? But in the meantime, I'll say thank you, Jeff. And you will say you're welcome. Thank you to Carson and also thank you to uh, to Big Caper, which uh, which sponsored this previous podcast. Has been uh, has been Fangraphs Audio. I'm Carson Stooley. Wait, no, oh, I said that has been Jeff Sullivan. I am Carson Stooley. This has been. Mm, it doesn't sound right here. Anyway, you've been listening to Fangraphs Audio. Papers. Hey,